as we move forward this morning, we are in a new series called Let It Rain, and it's based on the Beatitudes. And as we think through what it is that God has for us, as I've been praying through what it is that God is challenging, not just our church, but the church in general, it's woken up in my mind that we may have entered into a very spiritually dry time. That the disadvantage of being together, all the hindrances, all the hurdles, being there and being a parent, the challenge is palpable. I'm going to borrow from my brother Gary on that word. He taught me a word. You'll hear it later. And so this morning, we enter into a whole new sermon series. The purpose behind the series is to examine our own hearts and see where we're at spiritually. To see, is there a dry time? Let me start with this idea. Because we're going to be in the Beatitudes. We're going to be in chapter 5 of Matthew. I don't know for how long. I don't know if we're going to continue on in 6 and 7. Or if we'll just stick to 5. We'll just see how the Lord leads in all of this. And this morning, we're not even going to look at a Beatitude. We're going to be looking at the introduction and what happened at the beginning. So, I believe today the biggest challenge for all of us is to wrestle with this idea, are we spiritually drunk? There's much that's going on all around us is a distraction from the Lord. Does that mean amen? Oh, that was just really, really wow, fantastic. So, I think it's me pandering to get you to say it louder. I don't, I don't do pandering. So, if the Lord leads you to say an amen, I'll leave it up to Him. But point of emphasis, there's a lot to distract us from what the Lord has. And that may have resulted in a spiritually dry time, not just for our church, but for the church in general. Let me run this by you, and I don't know to what level we'll continue to say this, but this is worthy of writing down in your notes. If you have a piece of paper, the Beatitudes are not some ostensible checklist for Christian living. Rather, they are a cadre of Christ-like characteristics that grant us in blessing and grace. Let me share that one more time. The Beatitudes are not some ostensible checklist for Christian living. Rather, they are a cadre of Christ-like characteristics that grant us in blessing and grace. Let me pray over our time this morning as we enter in. Father, speak into our lives. And if we are spiritually dry, Father, give us the desire to climb the mountain. Give us the drive to be great. Let us be willing to take spiritual risks so that our heart is dictated only by you and your love and your command and your will for our lives. Thank you, Father. Speak to each one of us today in a powerful way. In your name, amen. So, the title of the sermon series is Let It Rain. Why? Why have it be this idea, Let It Rain? Well, towards the end of chapter 5, you see verse 45, and I have it uh, emphasized here at the bottom. It says, Send rain on the just and the unjust. Then the Father sends rain on the just and the unjust. What a beautiful thought. And, and we'll come to that in a moment. We'll give that a little bit deeper definition in a moment. But let me encourage you with the entire verse. Jesus says this, So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. As we look at this idea of let it rain, the idea is these principles that Jesus gives us in the Beatitudes, that those would be 
strengthening our minds in Christ Jesus. Amen? That it would be that, those principles, that driving force of God's character, that which He wants to perfect within us, that it is that which drives our thinking, our rationales, our decisions, our passions. And the layout of the Beatitudes is this form of an impossible task and then a reward if you accomplish the impossible task. How do you love being set up to failure? And even at the end of chapter 5, Jesus says these words that, that when I hear them or when I read them, I, I have this sense of, of self-deprecation where I say, this is impossible. I'm just going to skip to chapter 6 or chapter 7 or chapter 8. Because Jesus says, just be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. How many of you are perfect? Raise your hand. Okay, so if you raise your hand, you know I'm going to be perfect. I'm just, just going to tell you. We just covered that one right away. The difference of what we're talking about, brothers and sisters, if we're looking at this concept where Jesus says, be perfect as your Father is perfect, there's a mystery in there. Obviously, we know that we cannot be perfect. When will we be perfect? When we're sanctified completely in heaven, free from sin. Until then, it is a process. And that's what we need to see, is that as the Lord reigns in our life, He begins to do that good work and that sanctifying process in our life so that we begin to truly emulate some of these attitudes. And as we emulate these attitudes, we see what? We see blessing upon blessing upon blessing, which speaks to the play on words at the end of the chapter, and he reigns, he makes it rain on the good and the bad. The idea of rain is this understanding of blessing. That God gives incredible blessing to us. I'm going to share at the end today a testimony from uh, two individuals that are part of our church family. That as we hear their testimony, there is such power in what has happened in their lives. And the way that I explained it to my staff earlier this week and gave it to the elders on Thursday night is very simple. Is that there is no sermon I could ever preach that would have the magnitude of what they would experience. There is no worship song that Joe could ever play that would have the magnitude of power that they have experienced. Now that I've set up that call order for you, you should be very vested and interested. What is the secret of this power? How does this happen? Let me share a perspective of an event that I had a week ago. My son came always to Sacramento for Father's Day. He hung out overnight, and then he played drums with us last week. Then we went out, had some lunch, and then late last Sunday night, he purchased a movie for us to watch, Ford versus Ferrari. Love that movie. And it's based off of a true story of Carol Shelby and his friend um, Tim. I can't remember Tim's last name. Anybody remember? I think Keith, but I, I have a friend named Tim Hughes, so that's not right. But anyway, it's about the story of forming the GT, the Mustang GT, and winning at Le Mans. And what we see happen and transpire in the story is Hughes, as he was known by the, those in the Ford family, Henry Ford II, they called him Hughes, was always in this power struggle. He was a formidable man, and he liked being known that way, that he was in control. And he decided that he was bent on beating Ferrari at Le Mans. And he would do, and he would spend whatever it takes to make that happen. So he hires Carol Selby to be that which designed the Ford GT and made it a winner. The problem is, is that he had others speaking into his ear continually in his office, administrators, heads of marketing. And suddenly Carol Selby found himself on the out and decisions being made without his acknowledgement, without his approval. And it was another individual speaking to him. So he went in, he had a meeting with you, and he sequestered him off to the side and he talked about, do you want to win or not? 
and then Duplin is long for a tragic speech about how his family is all about Wayne. And then he said, then stop listening to me, and stop listening to the report, and give me full control. So he does. And they made great progress. Unfortunately, the individual that was in competition with Carol substituted in the piece of you. And there's this great scene about halfway through the movie where Henry Ford II is coming to the test track along with this other individual who's now been named head of racing operations and just slid right underneath Shelby's nose again. So as they arrive, Shelby brings that individual up to his office and locks him in the office. And he knows he only has seconds to get accomplished what he needs to get accomplished. He runs back downstairs as this man's trying to break out of the office, and he gets Henry the Ford to squeeze into this GT. Then he proceeds to run him around the track at extreme G-forces and speed. And you may have seen the trailer where at the end he stops with the hockey stop, right, with the car. And Henry the Ford, Henry Ford the second is weakened. And you think, because the trailer stops there, you think he's weakened because he got scared to death. But the beautiful thing in the movie is this. Carol Shelby stops and it feels awkward that he just, he took a huge risk and it didn't pay off. He thinks he's broken this man. He thinks he's done. He's pushed it too far. And he's simply looking out the other window and he says, Are you okay, sir? And Henry Ford II says something very solicitous. He says, I'm not scared. He said, I just wish my dad was here to see the of what you have said. And there was never an argument again. Carol Shelby has complete control and they went on to win and experience incredible blessings. The end of the sermon today will show you what we're talking about. It will show you what it means to have God's grace reigning in your life. Rather than have all these distractions slowly tear away. Let's get into it this morning. And as we do so, let me take you to a passage of Scripture. The first question I have for you is, are you in a dry season? Are you in a dry season? Well, how would you know? Psalm 42, 7-8 is a great passage of Scripture, and I encourage you to write it down if you have something to write on. The psalmist says this, He calls to peace at the roar of your waterfall. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands His steadfast love, and at night His song is with me, a prayer to the God in my life. What a tremendous passage of Scripture to remind us what it means to have God reign in our life. This morning, as we get into the study of the Beatitudes, one of the commentaries I use does a, does a great job if you're into uh, the depth of study, dogma, doctrine, theological scope, all of that kind of stuff. I'm going to throw you a bone here. And the reason is, is that the Beatitudes are a little bit challenging. Sometimes we hear, well, was that just directed to the disciples because this was pre-cross? You're going to hear in chapter 5 about how Jesus says that the law will not pass away. Do you still need to, and because of words like that, it causes confusion because Jesus came and he replaced the law at the cross and the resurrection, and then the church age starts, and then there's all this confusion. And so there are some out, out, out there that would even say that the Beatitudes really aren't for us. So you may have heard some of that teaching. Let me bring up some of those perspectives so we can talk about it quickly and kind of set the stage to move forward. The Beatitudes is, is, can be seen as what I talked about, some kind of ostensible checklist. There are, there are views like that. Perfectionist legalism is one view, right? This view is developed during medieval times and teaches that there are higher standards for disciples, right? Clergy or monastic clerics. So that's 
that's one view that we really should look at that for just to select all people that are in, in a high form of dedication. It's not for the general church. Another one is the impossible ideal. Widely accepted after Martin Luther, the Jews faced this discerning functions like the Old Testament law, forcing people to realize their sinfulness and helplessness and so turn to God. But there's challenges with that as well. Jesus expects us to continue to act this way. And let me give you a, 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 a little hint here at what we're looking at to unravel some of the mystery on the front side. Really and truly, the Beatitudes are a foreshadowing of what the disciples will see from Jesus' ministry. If this was some uh, impossible ideal, yet Jesus demonstrates it over and over, one of the reasons we know that Jesus had a three-year ministry here was so we could follow that example. And that God would not give us the expectation unless there was a way which is called sanctification, progressive sanctification, so we become more and more like Christ. So this view doesn't hold a lot of water either. There's another view, only for Jesus' disciples. Have you ever heard that view? But there are things in Scripture that were just for the disciples. For instance, Acts 1 8. For uh, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to, right? And, and a lot of us like to say, oh, no, 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 he was just speaking to the disciples there. You know, I, I don't really need to do that with you. No. He was speaking to his disciples, but it was scripture directed in all the church. So this ideal doesn't hold up as well. One is the kingdom age, and, and this is where we get into even more dogma and doctrine. Dispensationalism, if you don't know what that word means, get a roast beef sandwich and a pickle and meet me for lunch. It'll take about 14 hours to explain it. Dispensationalism teaches that these laws are for the kingdom age, the millennium, which is to come, and are only an example for us in our day. So, you know, these things about, about what you're going to hear that the Lord says, blessed are those. How cruel would that be? Right? That's Christmas. And David over here has got a, a, I don't know, he's got a new bike for CJ, right? And he shows it to him. He says, this is going to be your blessing. He says, but you don't get it until 8.30. Right? Is that how Jesus operates? Is that how the Father operates? And yet, this is one of the views that's out there. Why? Because we get so mixed up with, can we really do this? And it's easier to say, no, we can't. It's for a different time, it's for a different age. That's the easy answer. The question is, do we want to climb the mountain? And do we want to experience the blessing that God has for us? The last one, the last view that the LED commentary lists, is the social gospel view. Protestant liberals have used the ethics of the sermon as a mandate for the church to usher in the kingdom of God by means of reforming society. How many of you have that one? That if we take these principles and we create this utopian church where we just get like on some line, we cross over some demarcation where we're more of this than we are of this, then the kingdom will actually be here and Christ will return. Except the problem with that is that it's all work-based. If we just do this, then the kingdom will come. That doesn't work with God's economy. There's a beautiful statement that I was refreshed on this past week. It's Latin. You guys know how much I love the foreign languages and, and mention those to you because they make so much sense. Do, do any of you speak Greek in this room? Like, on a daily basis, Right? Uh, no, not not anybody that I know of speaks, you know, New Testament Greek. And yet, guys like me standing up there, we're constantly throwing Greek at us. Why don't we just tell you what it says instead of throwing the Greek word at us? I don't, I don't know. That's the same thing with Latin. Like, are you impressed that I know two Latin words here? Corum Deo. Now, how many of you believe my intelligence quotient just rose to the roof because I know Latin? So why are we speaking Latin to one another? We, we don't, it's a dead language. But, 
the word for the word for Deo is the glory of God. Now, how many times do we say that? Why not talk on a simple level to teach you the fact that the, 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 the Lord gave us what gave us the beatitudes? Maybe it's not about us accomplishing things. Maybe it's about through His work in our life that we see incredible change and sanctification. And then there is blessing that rains down in our life. So that what? So that God is glorified. So that God is glorified. So let's look at some simple questions. Are you in a dry season? Well, how do you measure that? That would be cruel for me to ask you if you're in a dry season and just move on in a rhetorical fashion. Let's really get into it and dissect and find out if we are in a dry season. How's your joy, your peace, your patience, your hope? How are those things in your life these past three months? By the way, when I mention joy, peace, patience, hope, well, what does that sound like? The fruits of the Spirit, exactly. And so the fruits of the Spirit are the, those things that mark us as true believers. And yet, more and more, I hear the church distraught, frustrated, disarrayed, angry, distracted. Anything but the fruits of the Spirit. How did we get there? And so let's look and examine our own hearts where we're at. Are we in a dry season? Are we in a distracted season? Well, the question I have for you is, what spiritual risk have you taken? What do I mean by that? Well, Jesus, during this time just prior to the Sermon on the Mount, had been wandering through the towns of Galilee. He had been healing. He had been preaching. He had been dealing with demonic activity. He had been doing incredible ministry and making a name for himself. Making a name for the kingdom of heaven. And yet it says in a moment, we'll read it specifically. It says, Scripture says in verse 1 that he moved away from the crowd. But he went up a mountainside and he sat down. And then his disciples followed him. Brothers and sisters, spiritual risks would look like this. And if there were many around the beaches, of the Galilee shores that received blessings from God through Jesus. They just wanted to sprinkle. They just wanted to sprinkle. That was enough for them. Just take care of my immediate problems. Right? Help me, Lord, with my job. Help me, Lord, with my family. Help me, Lord, with the challenges of COVID. Help me, Lord, with my broken down car, and on and on. And the Lord responds, and then we just move on. Does that sound familiar? We just move on. We don't continue to pursue in a greater way because we're not taking spiritual risks. That day, his disciples took spiritual risks, and they climbed the mountain where the crowd stayed on the shore. The crowds were satisfied with a sprinkling of his blessings, a sprinkling of his grace. The disciples finally said they wanted more. Jesus calls out to Jesus. And so they went up the mountain and they received from Jesus Christ deep teaching, deep meaning, impossible living by themselves. So what do we do with that? The question I have is, are you a flickering candle or a lighthouse? This is a great way to understand where I am spiritually. Your scripture says that we can get the sprinkling of His grace and blessing by inheriting the kingdom of heaven through a choice of faith to believe and trust in Him as our Lord and Savior. But when we just stop there, brothers and sisters always have a sprinkling. As opposed to pursuing like his disciples did, where they had a rich indwelling and experienced incredible spiritual ventures and helped build the kingdom. 
question for you and I is, are we just satisfied with signing the contract? We're just asking for admission to heaven. Just getting a sprinkling. Just being a flickering candle, or do we want to be a lighthouse? Are you satisfied with just a sprinkling of faith? Well, let's look at it this way. Let's turn to Matthew 5, and let me read the text today. It's just so long, it's going to be hard to flip through. Scripture says this, starting verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them saying. Now, what that should prompt in you is what was he saying? So this week I give you permission. Get in there, chapter 5, and keep reading. And maybe it'll lead to chapter 6, maybe it'll lead to chapter 7. And so, with this, where do we go? Well, number one, seeing the crowd, those who would receive blessing, those who would receive healing, he kind of put them to the test, and so he escaped from them. He went somewhere else. He climbed a high mountain. I got the privilege of standing in the region. The very first time I went over to Israel, there is a chapel on top of one of the hills looking down on the Sea of Galilee, and it's called the Chapel of the Beatitudes. And I, I'll never forget, I was given the privilege to read this passage of Scripture. And my pastor told me, go down the hill. What's interesting is, I was like, go down the hill? It says he went up the mountain. He said, well, we're on the top of the mountain, so go down. So I went halfway down the mountain, which is what people believe would have happened. Right? Because he's coming from the, the source. It seems he goes up here. But in order for him to teach, brothers and sisters, it wasn't just the 12 disciples that were thinking of it. That time Jesus had hundreds of so those disciples climbed the mountain, they would have sat like an amphitheater. And it was amazing. I spoke in this tone. And you could hear me clearly without any microphone for hundreds of feet. And Jesus shared these words with his disciples. Impossible words? No. Words that drench his soul with blessing. Words that drench your soul with blessing. So seeing the crowd, Jesus pulled himself away from those who just wanted to sprinkle and he went up on the mountain and sat down. Those who wanted something deeper, those who wanted to be soaked in the blessing of Jesus, those who wanted to be drenched in the blessing of Jesus, they followed and they went and they sat down waiting for more. They climbed the mountain. Is that where we are spiritually? Or are we so dry that we got our stuff and we're just kind of moving on with our life down there on the shores of the beach? We're not really interested in following Jesus. We're just interested in receiving from Jesus. Ask these questions of yourself. Who I was. Who I was. What did Jesus do with who I was? Who I am? What is Jesus currently doing with who I am? And that's who I will be when God reigns in me. Sprinkled, soaked, and drenched. This is what you're going to hear over and over in this series. Sprinkled, soaked, and drenched. When we use this double meaning, the plurality of let it rain. The question is for you and I, do we want to be sprinkled with the grace of Christ? Do we want to be soaked with the grace of Christ? Or do we want to be drenched? And in order to answer those questions, we really have to examine where are we? Are we dry spiritually so that we just go about our business on the shores of the galley, or will we climb the mountains to pursue him for a soaking Drenching, and we'll get into that in a minute. So let's get some definition of this. Sprinkle. Experiencing a quick, low-risk blessing. Experiencing a quick, low-risk blessing. So, seeking a deeper, resolute blessing. Or drench. Embracing an immersive understanding of being Christ-like. My wife 
and I on our second date ever went to a wonderful place on earth. Not the most wonderful place on earth. We went to the second, the distant cousin. We went to Magic Mountain. It was kind of in the hood, right? We just in our backyard there. And I got free tickets, so I'm a cheap one. And uh, so we're at Magic Mountain. One thing I did know is do not take someone that you're wanting to impress, someone that you want to have a relationship with, do not take them on like the spin out or, you know, Goliath or Superman or any of these like things that you just be sick or scared to death and never want to go anywhere again. It'll ruin it. So I was wise enough at that young age to not make that mistake. But I made a really good choice. I took a risk. And I'm here to say that I think it may have actually sealed the deal. Not that she would be impressed with any kind of spiritual action, but she was impressed with this event right out of the gate. We were walking in the back part of the park. And of course, she's wondering on the second page, is this the guy for me? I'm sure that's what she's And out of the corner of my eye, I see a young teenage guy open a gate, slide open, and then shut it. And I thought to myself, wait a minute, I think that's the back end of the dolphin stuff. So I asked him, well, could you just sit here for a second on the fence? I have to touch something. That's not a lousy day on you, right? So he sits here for a so I go over to the side, right? And I'm talking to him, and I said, hey, are you connected to the back end of the dolphin stuff? And he said, uh, yeah. And so I said, you see that really, really good-looking lady over there? So, like, we're on our second date, and it would be awesome if you could let us in and I could have her pet one of the dolphins. And he looked at me, and he's like, okay. And I'm like, are you serious? He's like, sure, dude. You know, if you think it's really going to impress her, you know, I'm your wingman. Well, I slow down, Bucky. But, okay. So I go over and I, I, get, I get to you and I say, hey, I got some ice cream. So we get over there and she's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? And, and I'm saying, just go with it. It's going to be okay. So we open the gate and we go back and we use these tools with dolphins. And he calls one of them over like a dog. Right, you know, and, and here comes Stevie the dolphin, and uh, and my face is getting to pet a dolphin. I mean, I'm home free, right? This is it. This is incredible. And then he makes the dolphin roll over, and she gets to pet his belly. I mean, this is incredible. And so I scored major points, huge points. As a matter of fact, part of her wedding vows had something to do with a dolphin, I think. I think she mumbled it. The point is, she never would have experienced that incredible moment that she remembers 30 years later, unless I'd taken a risk. Folks, that's a silly story about a dolphin. That doesn't change people's lives. It doesn't change the kingdom of heaven. But the story you'll hear at the end of today's message is exactly what we're talking about. It's not a sprinkling. It's not just a soaking in the blessing of God. It is a drinking. Because two individuals in our church were willing to take a spiritual risk. And again, just like Jeanine's life was changed the night she got the pet dolphin, right? She's pretty impressed. There is no sermon I could preach. There is no song we could sing that would have the kind of power to just step of faith and trust in the Lord having these individuals' life. Just like Henry Ford said, I had no idea the power. And once I've experienced got all my trust. You've got all my trust. When we experience truly the power of Jesus Christ, and that's what the Beatitudes are about. The Beatitudes 
is a grouping of characteristics that have everything to do with who Christ is, and they are impossible for us. But when we demonstrate those, those characteristics, those qualities outside of our ability because of the infusion of Jesus working through us, because we climbed the mountain, because we sought a deeper experience, our life has changed forever. Amen? One of the ways that we see this in Scripture is in John 13. You can turn there if you want. I have the Scripture up there. As we close today in our message, we're looking at the gathering for the Lord's table, the, the Last Supper. And Jesus is going to wash the feet of the disciples. And we pick it up in verse 7. We'll read 7 through 9. And it says this. I'll back it up to 6. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash your feet, you have no share with me. Simon Peter, my question, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Drench me. Drench me. This is what Peter said. Brothers and sisters, are we in a dry time today? Don't ask for sprinkling. Look to get strength in the blessing of God. Look to get strength in the blessing of God. If you want that, you and I have to climb the mountain rather than just cruise the shore of the Galilee. In closing this morning, I think about the opportunity afforded to us. And as we look at these ideas about what's ahead of us, I encourage you to think through again with this idea of what I desire and what I need spiritually to be walking in a healthy manner with God to be able to accomplish this Christ-like focus. This morning is sprinkling of God's blessing. Experiencing a quick, low-risk blessing. To look to be soaked in the grace of God means seeking a deeper, more resolute blessing. And to be drenched is embracing an immersive understanding of what it means to be Christ-like. In a minute, you're going to see this testimony by Barry and Shelley. But can I just encourage you in a very practical visual as I close the sermon today, we embark together to examine where we are spiritually. And if we are spiritually dry, how do we measure that? We've given you that. And if we are not satisfied with that, how do we look to be soaked with His blessing? How do we look to be drenched with His blessing? How do we do that? We climb the mountain. Or we step off the stage. What do we need? It is my privilege to lead two teams. One in 2000 and one in 2002, or actually 2002 and 2004, two mission teams over to Hong Kong. The challenge in that is that we went during typhoon season. And I remember distinctly the last year we went, we were performing in the middle of the street in this major shopping area of what's called Montauk, right? And the, the strategy was that there was a stage, we had our instruments out, we were singing, we were doing like, I don't know, we were doing like these monkey things, I was way beyond me. But we were there to draw a crowd. And then we had multiple of my students and people from Youth for Christ walking through the crowd, engaging and having spiritual conversations with the crowd. There was five to seven hundred people gathered there. Incredible. 
And yet we knew looming off in the distance was a huge cell of a storm that was heading right our way. And we were working as fast as we could before that storm hit so we could get everything packed up. And we kept working and asking and praying, Lord, hold this off, hold this off. And he held it off long enough. And people came into the kingdom of God that day. It was tremendous. And my team was excited. And we finished up and everything got packed up. And so they were saying, well, let's go, let's go eat somewhere. And then maybe let's do some souvenir shopping. And right then, I fell first loose. I've never been in rain like that in my life. In two minutes, the curbs were gone. There was over a foot of water in the street within five minutes. And we're all huddled underneath this overhang. And I remember my team just laughing at me and standing at me. Like, we're stuck here. How are we going to get out of it? And I remember staring them in the face because there were so many more disappointed. They were hungry. They wanted to grab some souvenirs. They wanted to do this. They wanted to sit in the coffee shop and, and rejoice over what we've just seen. We couldn't even hear each other speak the rain was so loud. I simply looked my team in the face and I stepped out from the safety of that army. And within 10 seconds, I was drenched. I wasn't just sprinkled out. I wasn't just soaked. I was drenched. And they're looking at me and they're laughing like, what are you doing? And then I stepped off the curb into the deep water. And I said, anybody want to go shopping or eat? Because at this matter, my joy can't be stolen. I'm drenched. I'm drenched. Many of us run for fear. There's something about embracing that idea of being drenched. Think about being drenched in God's grace and how empowering that is. That we don't live dry anymore. Let me share this video with you as we close and give you what you can. Okay, we're here with Gary and Shelly Linderman flying the friendly skies and riding the friendly bikes. And, uh, and they have a tremendous story. You guys have a tremendous story, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Tremendous story. So, okay, so you guys called me Monday? I believe so. Yeah, you called me Monday, and it was hilarious because Shelly's just going a mile a minute. <laughs> Gary's in the background. I can hear him saying, slow down, slow down. And, uh, and there was just so much excitement going on with both of you. I mean, so, uh, Gary, let's start with you. Uh, what started this event and what, what happened that you want to share so that the, we're inspired? Okay, so Sunday, last Sunday, Father's Day, uh, uh, Lyndon got up and gave his announcement about the, uh, <coughs> gift certificate cards and, uh, Normally, we're always, we're usually, we can't think of someone that it was in need that we need to give something like this to. Because it's been done at the church before. It's, you know, we've had other credit cards. We've had uh, bring dinner to someone. And we're always wondering who we could do that for. And, and this time, it was just crystal clear. Uh, Shelly kind of gave me a nudge, and she says, the neighbor across the street he could definitely use this. And I said, you know what, without a doubt, you're right. Go, go talk to Linda at the church, right? We need to get this thing done. So when we got the, the gift card, we thought this would be the perfect person. Why don't you take it from there? Okay, so we got home Sunday, and then um, Monday I told Gary, I said, we, we, we need to get over there. We need to get over there and give them their card. So what did we Gary say? We got the kids, and... You know, and I said, no, we, we got to go now. Yeah. I said, there was just something that laid, was laid on me that this had to be done today. Yeah. So we did. We got we got up. We walked around the corner, and we went in. And um, I don't know if it was a daughter or a niece, but she was sitting outside. And I said, could you ask your mom and dad to come out? We'd like to speak with them. And so they did. And um, I was talking to our neighbor's wife. And I said, um, Today at church, at Father's Day, 
said, our church is handing out some gift cards. I said, I don't know if you're in need. I didn't want to insult her. And I said, but if you can use this card, we'd love to give it to you. Mm -hmm. And she said to me, this couldn't have come at a better time. She said, I didn't get my check. Mm -hmm. And she says, and I have five kids, and now I can feed them. And it was just she was praise. wondering where to get the money to go to the store. Yeah, and it was just like, this was just meant to be. Absolutely. And so. She was so, they were so overjoyed. Yeah. And it seemed like, at the flick of a switch, the whole family was outside. Outside, yeah. And we got to, we asked if we could pray for them, and we got into a circle. They held, we all held hands, even through this whole corona thing. Nobody was feared, was scared or right. feared. And um, Gary got to say a really nice prayer. We got to invite him to the church. Um, he's Tongan, so I did let him know that we have a Tongan church as well. Yeah. And, My wife uh, happens to be Samoan. I said, she's not allowed because we don't have a Samoan church. I did not say that. Not <laughs> so it was just, it was so wonderful to be able to help someone, uh, help a family. Yeah. And um, it was just, God laid this on us. I know he did. And we and were so excited on the way home. Yeah. And I said to Shelly, I said, as excited as, as excited as we are, which we should be, the glory's all God's. God. Yeah. Plum so we down. just plumb down. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. But I, I remember when you called me, you, you were just like, you're flying. I mean, you fly at 33,000 <laughs> yeah, anyway, yeah. But, but you were like 39 or I, 40. And it, it was, what was it like when you heard her say, how timely this was, what did you start feeling and what did, what were your thoughts when all of a sudden you realized how God used you specifically? It, that's exactly what I felt. God used me. How, how could I have known? I mean, we knew that, that he would come over and ask for his, you know, odd little jobs. Right. You know, but at that moment, she just said this couldn't have come at a better time. I thought, okay, the Lord laid this on me and, and just, here you go. Yeah. It was just, and you know, the excitement drops a little bit because, it, you know, I called right after we got right, back right, from right, the house. Right. So, but it was still to be able to help someone yeah. was just, and if it wasn't for CBC, we probably couldn't have given them that. that so kind they of saw this as God I reaching truly, out to what their needs were. I absolutely think so. Yeah. yeah. So, Gary, you got to, you were just inspired to ask to pray with them, and that was a huge. Yeah, big step for you. And well, so what you know, I've been doing it a lot more lately. It's getting Good. a little easier, you know. Uh, first of all, I, I'm kind of become like the patriarch with our family. When we have a uh, any kind of holiday where we all get together, I ask whoever wants to pray. I'd like to pray, and uh, so in, in that respect, it's becoming easier. But once the whole family came out, you could just you could feel it. Yeah. I mean, it was palpable. And I knew it was the right thing to do, and I asked, and everybody was on board. And it was great to see the youth, too. The, the, they were the, all the there. Kids yep. were all there, and they yep. wanted to be in on it. They wanted to hang or hold hands. And it was just like, this is amazing. This It was just probably one of my, one of my top it. moments in my life. It was just Yeah, I remember us talking about that on the phone call. You said it was the best moment of my life. And I said, well, let's reserve childbirth. Yeah, yes, yes. and weddings, you know, yeah, yeah. next to that. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Well, birth or wedding. And then being this mighty of God. Um, I wish you could hear the excitement that was on the phone. Um, and it changed my perspective. These lights behind me, you all know what those lights are for. They have to do with us as a church reaching out with the light of Christ to those who are hurting, to those who don't know, have not tasted yet of grace and salvation. And uh, how when that happens for an individual through uh, the spirit of our church or the people of our church, we light a light representing a new life in Christ. I'm convinced that there's a different way to do this. Because God uses people in different ways, in different measures, but it's still the light of Christ going out. Right? And, and so I'm going to kind of rethink this, but I can guarantee you that what the spiritual risk that Gary and Shelley took, their dress, 
there's great in blessing. Now do you understand what we talk about? There's great in blessing by listening to the Lord and taking these spiritual risks and shining that light. And so this morning, we have three other cards. Seven went out last week. And if the Lord is leading you, please talk to Lyndon. Lyndon, the ministry oversight of this, and see what the Lord would do for you. And maybe it's not the card thing. Maybe it's a different thing altogether. But today's message is all about wrestling with are we spiritually dry? Are we missing that soaking or that drinking, are we satisfied with just the sprinkling of grace? Let me pray over you and I'm going to call the worship band up this morning. Thank you so much for coming and worshiping together. Isn't it good to be, and kids, you're doing a great job. Well done, kids. It's fantastic. And so, um, you know, we're, we're hoping soon we can get our, our children's ministries back up and running. And uh, so, let me pray over you. Let's stand together as I pray over you and pray blessing on you. And if there's any needs that you have uh, throughout this week, please don't hesitate. Contact me. Contact the office. Write out on, on the cards, the prayer cards, things uh, uh, prayer requests, specific needs that you have. We have uh, a deacon fund. We have a COVID-19 fund. We have the things available. If you have needs, if you know people who have needs, uh, please don't hesitate to call on, on us. But first, call on the Lord. Let me pray blessing and then we'll sing together. Father, I ask that you work uh, continually in our lives. The very things that your son spoke about, that you, do, you reign on those that are good and evil, that it is our blessing, it is our experience, that you have no partiality, but that you have great things awaiting us. Oh, Father, that we would be, like the psalmist says, the deep calling out to the deep. That we would get off the shores of the Galilee and that we would climb the mountains so that we might be drenched in blessing, that we might become more and more the image of Christ. So that at one point in time, Lord, you will be able to say, I have perfected you. Thank you, Father. Thank you for these words. Let them carry it. We will be all glory. Amen.